Hello and welcome to B-Side, where we revisit business world stories and tell a few of our own. When public transportation was suspended to prevent the spread of the coronavirus, people turned to biking as a means of getting from one place to another. Thousands of bikes were donated to frontliners and essential workers who found themselves walking to work. And this June, bike lanes popped up along EDSA, the busiest highway in Metro Manila. Bike commuters like Karen Sison hope that this is the beginning of a bike revolution. Karen is a member of Cycling Matters, a group that describes itself as, quote, a happy collective of cyclists who have gotten tired of just waiting and ranting about how unhappy our local biking conditions can be. And in this episode, Karen tells Business World reporter Patricia Mirasol exactly what kind of infrastructure Metro Manila needs to become a bike-friendly city and why biking should seriously be considered as a means of commuting in the first place. First of all, do tell me more about your group Cycling Matters and how you became a part of it. We're basically people who have enjoyed cycling, whether we started out as recreational cyclists and moved into bike commuting or we were already bike commuting in the first place. And we wanted to celebrate cycling with our friends and our network. And I got involved with Cycling Matters because the members of the team, they're actually also my cycling teammates. Um, we're part of a team called Team Loyola. A lot of us are Ateneo alumni and professors. What is the group advocating exactly? So we're pushing for cycling to be seen and treated as really a viable mode of transport because Cycling here has often been treated as simply an alternative mode of transport. So we really want to push it to be like a primary and viable mode of transport. I imagine that you don't just bike as a hobby, but also to get from one place to another. What are the challenges of biking in Metro Manila? Metro Manila is rather hostile (laughs) in terms of cycling because there's barely any cycling infrastructure to begin with. And... Metro Manila is really car-centric. It took quite a bit to really get into bike commuting because cycling is like one skill to have. But then bike commuting, particularly Metro Manila, it's, it's something that I really had to ease into. And I had to learn over several months before I got comfortable with it. Because when you're bike commuting, you have to think about the motorists that you encounter We don't really have a lot of protected cycling infrastructure here. I think the closest that we have are some of the bike lanes in Pasig. But even that, it's still not completely the best. Apart from Pasig, which Philippine cities are the best places to bike? From my personal experience, well, in Metro Manila, Marikina is actually pretty okay as well. Although I haven't gotten to explore too much of it yet. I did get to go to the Riverside bikeways there recently, and it was pretty nice. And another place that I actually went to was Batanes, particularly in Basco. Cycling is really like a mode of transport there. There are rarely any vehicles. Usually the vehicles are used for tourists and for, I guess, transporting things. But cycling is really a part of their culture from what I observed. They have bike parking for their students. I mean, the kids... Even though they're grade school, they bike to and from home. Iloilo is also seen as a cycling city with the River Esplanade and how their government is trying to put up connected cycling infrastructure, although I personally haven't been there yet. 
what do you think makes for good bike public policies? I think good bike policies come from this perspective of those who actually get around by bike regularly. Like these policies are based on the needs of those who actually cycle for transport. And it's not just about getting feedback from those who bike. It's also about really listening to their needs and having the political will to implement what those who cycle needs. And also, I think good bike policies also make it easier and they incentivize people to choose cycling as a mode of transport. It's also about increasing the modal share of those who cycle. If I was a public official like a senator and you had my ear, what concrete biking policy would you push to have enacted? I would want a dedicated network of bike lanes because we do have bike lanes here in Metro Manila, but a lot of them are disjointed. They're also not well maintained and they weren't really made with cyclists in mind. So making sure to have a network of protected bike lanes that makes sense, that's connected with each other across cities. Because when people commute, they're not always like within their city. Like for example, a person who lives in Quezon City sometimes works in Makati. So not just having bike lanes within like one city, but that connects between cities. Can bikes ever replace buses or jeepneys? Or can they at least reduce the need for them? I don't think it's about replacing bikes and jeepneys. I think cycling and public transport would be complementary. They would complement each other because there's this thing called bimodal transportation where you have a bike and then if you want to go a longer distance, for instance, so you bike to the bus station and then you bring your bike on the bus and then you ride the bus with your bike and then when you go down, you bike to your destination. So really, I think it's more of finding a way to make cycling and public transportation complement each other and integrate with each other rather than choosing one over the other. So has this pandemic shifted the country's gears in terms of how it views cycling as a viable means of traveling? Is the movement you're advocating for gaining ground? I think that the pandemic has put cycling and bicycles into the spotlight, but then I still think that the car-centric mindset and mentality is really heavily ingrained in our culture. There has been some shift, but then a lot of it involves those already within the cycling community or those who have already opted into the whole idea of alternative mobility. But for the most part, I think a lot of people still have that car-centric mindset, as you can see with the heavy vehicle traffic, even though public transport isn't operating. I think there's still some change, but it's really, really slow. And that's what we're trying to work on at Cycling Matters and in the cycling community. I'm really interested in the culture aspect of things. So I'm going to ask you a few more culture-related questions. First of all, what do you think of bike-sharing programs? Filipinos are so into ride-sharing apps nowadays. So if bike-sharing programs were made available, do you think that Filipinos would latch on to it? I think bike-sharing is a good idea because I understand the hesitation of some people to get into cycling as a mode of transport is, okay, I have to do some upfront spending, even though it's not as much as like a car. I think some people just want to try it out first. And I think bike sharing would be a good way to see like if it works out for you or what you would need. And also to 
provide an accessible option for those who can't necessarily afford to get a bike yet. So I think Filipinos would definitely benefit from a solid bike sharing program. Talking about affordability and upfront spending, if let's say I was a typical office worker and I just want to go from point A to point B, and if I don't care about the bells and whistles and I don't care about the top of the line stuff, how much would a typical bike set me back? I mean, what ballpark figure are we looking at? Choosing a bike and cycling in general isn't a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. So I think things you would have to consider would include what your regular route is, um, what your budget is, the load you intend to bring. But I think there's certainly a bike that has value for money at every price range. I guess if I were to give like a ballpark figure, for example, if you want to try secondhand bikes, you can get one for like between two five to 7,000 pesos. And then for brand new ones um, that are just entry levels, starter commuter bikes, maybe 7,000 to 15,000. And above that, for those who have a higher budget. These tend to be the people who are more decided with for a longer period of time. But generally, biking is very affordable than, say, trying to own a car or even a motorcycle. Apart from a helmet, what other biking gear does one need? And are all these mandated by law? For cycling gear, definitely protective gear is very important, um, especially with Philippine roads. A helmet is a good start. And then having safety equipment, Especially for people who might ride into the night, lights are very helpful, um, having front and rear lights. Roadside repair kits are also pretty helpful because sometimes you don't know that you might get into a flat or something. So having a hand pump, tire levers, spare inner tube, a patch kit, multi-tool. And it's also a good idea to have things for maintenance of your bike, having the greaser for removing the greasy gunk from your drivetrain and having chain lubricant for your chain. Since the Philippines, like we have rainy weather, it's a good idea to bring a Ziploc to protect your wallet and your phone. From what I'm aware, there's no mandate for what kind of equipment you need to have. But then I think they're trying to push for having maybe reflectors and the like. Although it's not necessarily required, but it kind of helps for visibility. I guess the issue with, for example, requiring helmets is that not everyone, especially like people from lower income classes, can afford a helmet. So I think it would be better to focus on policy that prioritizes the safety of cyclists rather than over-regulating. Another culture and policy question. How can cities in general build better bike cultures? Cities in general can build better bike cultures by designing cities for people rather than for cars. Because if you look at other countries that have thriving bike cultures, it's not just the bike cultures that are thriving. It's really cities that are meant for people. I think it's important to put people at the center and making sure that if you develop policies that people who cycle, people who walk, they're not just an afterthought. They actively build the infrastructure based on these people's needs. I love how you put it. Design cities for people and not for cars. Why does cycling matter for a country like the Philippines? Cycling matters because with all the issues we have on mobility and transportation, cycling remains to be the most accessible, sustainable, and responsible mode of transport. Accessible because it's affordable. People from different backgrounds are able to ride bikes for different purposes, whether 
they can use a second-hand utility bike for doing short errands, a sturdy and reliable commuter bike for biking to and from work, or a fully specked out bike for performance or long-distance rides. Sustainable because the upkeep and maintenance of bikes is generally very manageable, and it's responsible because it has a low carbon footprint while still being an efficient way of getting around. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard bike advocate Karen Season of Cycling Matters talking with Business World reporter Patricia Mirasol about all things cycling. A few takeaways from their conversation. Cities should be designed with people in mind, not cars. The Philippines is a car-centric society, and it shows in our infrastructure and how pedestrians and cyclists are treated. Policymakers need to put people at the center. Karen recommends creating a dedicated network of bike lanes that cuts across cities. She also says that biking isn't meant to replace public transportation, since biking can happily coexist with buses, jeeps, and trains. What we need to think about is how to integrate these modes of transportation. According to Karen, cycling is, after all, the most accessible, sustainable, and responsible mode of transportation. Besides, a bike costs much less than a car. This episode was recorded remotely on August 13. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.